what is up everybody welcome to a uh a sunday edition of the uh drunk turkey show i'm daniel and alongside with me is big blue let me switch sides here with you how you doing blue i'm doing good i'm doing good i want to uh, say thank you to all, everybody that wished uh wish me well uh we got today my aunt to rest yesterday so um it was hot though man it was 110 110 oh, but um and then right when i was leaving the the cemetery you know i have the best of luck out there my ac blew in the van so oh dude that sucks <laughs> it's hard as a sardine can in there man nah i can tell man i mean i know i, I wouldn't i i was out yesterday out and about and dude, it is it is a scorcher dude no yeah. no uh end in sight that's for sure so well, our condolences again, uh, Big Blue, to you, to yourself and to your family, my man. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. No problem, no problem. So uh, today, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss um, a part of the PCA that like been bugging me since we, uh, you know, since the PCA came out. And I'll just pull it up. <clears throat> All right. So, and it's referencing the Nevada Street area all right so let's talk about it that says here investigators were given access to video footage on the washington state university campus located in pullman washington review that video indicated that at approximately 244 a.m on november 13 2022 a white sedan which was consistent with the description of the white elantra known as suspect vehicle one which had a unique identifier of not having the front license plate right was observed on WSU surveillance cameras traveling north on Southeast Nevada Street at a Northeast Stadium Way. And then at approximately 2.53 a.m., the white sedan, which is consistent with the description of the white Elantra. So another white sedan. And if they're saying this, uh, I would indicate it would be, I would believe that they're seeing the vehicle from the front and it not having a front license plate. Yeah was observed traveling southeast on Nevada Street in Pullman uh, towards SR-270, which connects Pullman to, to Moscow, right? And this was the footage that was uh, provided to the uh, same FBI forensic examiner. The forensic examiner, for, examiner identified the uh, vehicle observed in Pullman as being a 2014 to 16 Elantra. So, in my opinion, I, I think that this uh, this footage was located or found probably after December 19th. I think that that's when they got Brian Koberger's name as a possible uh, link through the genetic tree, right, on December 19th. And so they, I think they decided to go look at some more cameras in the Pullman, Washington area and and they found this vehicle and they were able to identify this vehicle as a 2014 to 16 Elantra. That's just my speculation. But all right, so let's um let's look at this area, Big Blue. It says um it says that the uh, suspect vehicle one was observed on WSU surveillance cameras 
traveling north on Southeast Nevada Street at Northeast Stadium Way. So this is Nevada Street, Big Blue. Uh, it goes where this red arrow is pointing up, followed by uh, this yellow um, you know, area going down. That's Nevada. Uh, the intersecting um, highway is Stadium Way. Okay, so there's been some speculation as to where more or less uh, this vehicle was going. Was it going north on uh, Nevada Street south of Stadium Way? Or did it turn off of Stadium Way and head north onto Nevada Street towards the red arrow? All right. So let's go back to the uh, affidavit. So to me, this is traveling north on south uh, Southeast Nevada Street at Northeast Stadium Way. To me, that tells me it's this red arrow. Because it's a stadium way going north on Nevada Street from Stadium Way. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, according to the probable cause affidavit, he was somewhere in this area for approximately nine to ten minutes. Uh, let's go back and see again. So, yeah, nine minutes at 2.44, seen driving there at approximately 2.53, seen uh, driving southeast on the bus street. So, he is somewhere in this area for nine minutes. Now, assuming that this is the alleged, you know, Brian Koberger, these are WSU uh, security um, cameras. Right, that captured him is what we're supposed to do. Right. What, what do you, where do you think he was? What do you think he was doing? <clears throat> I was I first assumed maybe he was picking up some supplies from this this classroom or something he left behind there. Right. right. So uh, like, go ahead. What? I said but I'm uh, not 100% sure what he was doing there. It did take him a few minutes, though. So he must have pulled over maybe to to get his thoughts through or pick something up. I think it's pick something up. Now, where, where do you think he would go? And, you know, so I started looking at some of these areas, right? And I came across this, the, the office of academic engagement. So this is off the WSE website. <clears throat> and this is referencing, um, there it is, I went forward one. So it says this is the uh, Office of the Academic en Engagement. And yeah, they had a, a, a video here. Right, I'm gonna play. Good morning. 
I would like to take this moment to uh, thank the work that all of our wonderful student employees have been doing for the past few years with the Office of Academic Engagement. So this Office of the Academic Engagement is referencing student employees. Okay. Wasn't wasn't Koberger considered a student employee? Um, he was a teacher's assistant getting a salary. And a... No, I don't know if he would be the same as being a... Uh... I mean, that's what they describe. He described it as when he got pulled over in Indiana that he was a student employee. Maybe. Uh, I can't remember what they call him here in San Antonio. They call him work studies. I'm not sure if they... But I'm pretty sure they all go to the same place. So what I found out of this place was these were the, you know, places for um, student employees. Uh, I wonder if Koberger would have had keys for something here. Now, I put all this together or, you know, we, we can continue to watch this, but all it is is that it's referencing you know, uh, student employees, but, you know, on the affidavit, let me go find it real quick. It referencing, hold on one sec. So on the probable cause affidavit, when it talks about um, Brian Koberger's experience and what he wrote, give me a second. I'm gonna find this. Jesus, I had it earlier. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it had a highlighted area, but right, right. Well, no, not that part. Um, let me find it real quick. All right, here it is. So. One of the things that uh, that they learned was that Koberger's past education included undergraduate degrees in psychology and cloud-based forensics. Uh, these records also show that Koberger wrote an essay that he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall of 2022. Uh, Koberger wrote in this essay that he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. So right here, he's basically saying that his expertise is technological data and you know, how to collect and analyze technological data and a uh, law enforcement, uh, you know, perspective. Does that make sense, Blue? Yeah. So you would, that would kind of make you believe, right, that if, if Koberger um, was well aware of how you know, law enforcement was going to collect and analyze technolo technological data uh, that he would have known not to use his personal, uh, you know, cellular device or laptops, right? What yeah, he'd be, able to, he'd be able to access uh, no, some of them. What what, if you're aware how, how law enforcement is going to investigate you, um, you're not going to fall into those traps, right? You're not going to fall into using your own stuff, your own laptop, yeah. your own computer. I don't think he'd also fall into using his own internet. So I think a lot of the planning for this situation 
uh, came out of um, this area. And I think, and this is just my speculation, that when he came over here and drove up here, I think he came around this way, came to his office where he may have had like a burner laptop or cellular device that he was using to do the planning of this of this crime. Now, if we look at um, the Rex Humerman case, he had a burner phone that was, you know, at the end of the day, once they got, you know, once they knew it was him, it was traced back to him. But he'd been using that burner phone to, you know, call and, and harass, you know, victims' families and, and things of that nature. Wouldn't you think that, um, you know, Koberger would be, you know, possibly aware that a burner phone could be, or burner, you know, uh, going and buying a cheap tablet from Walmart? Wasn't there a Walmart receipt picked up from his apartment? So maybe there's a laptop on that receipt that's not accounted for. Yeah. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, yeah, to, to be that smart to register it under your name and do all the stuff. I mean, uh, he's got to be smart than that. Just, I would say you should just go to a pawn shop and get one because they're already pre-registered to the last owner. And you can just <laughs> use it. Long as it's unlocked, and most of the time they're unlocked. But right, but I, I mean, know how smart this guy is. Right, but I mean, if you go to Walmart and you can just buy one of those, you know, fifty dollars tablets, and he goes and uses the free Wi-Fi that's for, you know, the entire campus, Disney. right? So it doesn't yeah. get traced back to him. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like he, that, that sounds something like something I think somebody with the education and the experience that Coburger has would do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I think that, you know, for him to come out here, there has to be a purpose. You know, and I think that the purpose was that he didn't he kept things separate. Right. Like if you go and buy like this tablet. Right. And. You know, you're going to use it to plan crime on it and you don't want it to ever come back to you would you ever take that tablet to your home where you have wi-fi where it could you know try to connect i mean no you if you're smart you wouldn't no right you wouldn't take that tablet to your house so you'd have to leave that tablet and do the planning of this crime somewhere else because if he took that tablet at any point to his house and it connected to his wi-fi and that tablet was ever found or whatever the case, it would connect back to him. And or, you know, those searches, you know, would come back to his IP address or whatever the case. I don't know. I'm not a tech guru, but, you know, I would think that you would never take that tablet back to your house. So it'd have to be somewhere else. Yeah, I would I would, I would like to see where his like office was compared to this area. Oh, these are the offices at the Office of the Academic of Engagement. The offices for the uh, um, the TAs. Yeah, no, for the uh, school employees are right here, and yeah. they also school employees um, have access. Student employees, I'm sorry, not school employees. Student employees have access to this building yeah. here, and so my thinking is, if he came back over here, right, and you know. 
you the planning would have been for a goal right and the goal would have been to have committed the crime correct so yeah. if that was the night that he was going to commit the crime there was no need for the planning stuff anymore now he may have you know wanted to keep it or whatever the case may be but i i think that you know if he was smart and the goal was to get away with this crime he would have destroyed it and or buried it or dug it and so my thoughts are he came back here to this office picked up his tools for planning this crime and took it with him to to the victim's house uh, committed the crime and then there's another time frame that doesn't make sense <laughs> no it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's maybe. I don't know. I'm going to go check it out. I'll let you guys know. It's so, got the, um, it's got the little square that has good music. They have a lot of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking about, too. <laughs> I have a little food park. And so, um, if. And, and the one, the other part that don't make sense is that he's seen leaving at a high rate of speed on Alinta Drive at 420. Right. And then the probable cause affidavit states that he is seen over here um, by Blaine, Idaho, off of uh, off of this highway, 95 at 448. Now, according to GPS, to get from the victim's residence to Blaine, Idaho, is a 10 minute drive. I would assume that it'd be even a shorter drive if you were sticking to the highways going just to the. Uh, the highway that runs parallel to Blaine, right? Yeah. So it's probably less than 10 minutes. So where did he go from 420 to 448, which is 28 minutes, which let's just say would have taken 10. What, what are your thoughts on that, Big Blue? I think maybe he went uh, drive around, like maybe the police station, see if they got called. You can drive started. around the police station <laughs> with. Well, I mean, if with, he got startled by Dylan, he, he went somewhere to, to I don't see. I think you drive to the police station. We're not, not not towards it, but like, you know, we we have uh, evidence that he drove before through the back road of it. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe he, he drove around there again, but it's not in the affidavit. I don't know. His phone was off. Right. Well, it was back so, on by then. So I don't know. They, I'm pretty sure they can track it better than I, I can. I think I think he took some weird route, man. I, th I think there's there's cameras at this intersection, right? So if he would have exited, uh, this is where they believe he exited, which is uh, uh, Palouse River Drive and Conestoga Drive, right? And, you know, had he gone just towards the left or westbound, he would have gone straight to to Pullman and would have been there within 10 minutes. All right. And if he would have gone right or, or east towards uh, the highway, there are cameras here. And in my opinion, if police had seen this white Elantra in the area and they pulled these cameras, they would have known early on in the investigation that, um, you know, the white Elantra 
left town south south out of Moscow. But that's, that wasn't indicated. In fact, the um, probable cause affidavit alludes that they believe that he traveled west towards Pullman because that's the fastest route. Yeah. So I think maybe perhaps he did, and, and he he drove some weird back route, back back road route, and around uh, these intersection lights. But there's 18 minutes there. And, and I don't think he's taking anything to his house, like I mentioned before. So I think I think somewhere along this this route he's on, he left everything. A weapon, clothes, shoes, everything behind somewhere. Somewhere out here. Yeah. He may have gone back the next day to go pick it up and you know move it to a different secure spot. I mean, I would but, see if there's any creeks around there. He can drive through a back road. Then he can dump it off a creek. But I think maybe he just drove around dumping it in commercial. Well, commercial buildings normally have, like, cameras. So I don't think he's that dumb. But if he was going to discard it, um, I think maybe he had a site somewhere here and he had something like a place to stash his stuff get rid of it but also we don't know what he did because they didn't catch him till months later so he probably never even ditched anything maybe he just went to uh, like decompress and and he was just driving around to to like clear his mind because what he had just did i think that might be more of a, a prominent thing and then he ditched the stuff the next day well i don't think he'd want to take if he, if he went to go pick up some computer stuff and those things to plan that he never wanted to connect back to his house, and he left those things, um, you know, at his um, office. I think he's leaving them somewhere. Now, I wonder yeah. if there is a campground or something south of Moscow where he can go and shower and or change. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because my other theory is, uh, it depends how cold. How cold was it again that night? I was like 28 degrees, my man. Have you ever tried digging at that temperature? Nah, he must have he must have gone earlier and dug something, had it pre pre-made. Yeah, because I, uh, I even in Texas when it gets that cold, I remember I was working on this house. And uh, I used to do electrical and we were running the the, the underground wiring, right? Mm-hmm. And um to run the underground wiring at this certain neighborhood, um, you know, they they wanted like six inches of gravel, eight inches of sand, and then they wanted the gravel again. That way it could have good drainage, and then they wanted the pipe, and then they wanted it covered by gravel. So the day before, we were filling up the, I mean, this is like maybe, uh, you know, 400 feet. Of sand that we were carrying up and down the hill and then they trying to level and stuff to get to get it to pass permits and the night before it was good it was maybe in the mid mid 60s because it was getting cold that night but the next day i went and it was probably around 25 20 20 degrees it was cold but we had to finish it to pass permits 
I literally got the bucket off the back of the truck that I was using the day before, and I went and I hit the sand, and the bucket broke into pieces because it was so damn hard. And I got the shovel, and I couldn't even get the damn shovel in the ground. So I had to use a pickaxe to break it up a little bit until the bobcat, we can get the bo keys to the bobcat. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, digging at that degree, man, and the ground being that, that solid, he probably, like you said, probably pre-did it or he dumped it somewhere else. Cause I, but he also had a lot of time to discard it with yeah, the I amount mean, of days. He, he, he probably placed it somewhere and he says, all right, they haven't caught me yet. I'm going to go hide it better now. And then that's probably where the police should look at and see where his phone went for the next coming days afterwards. Right, right. I mean, when it, when it comes to Coburger, when it or when it comes to this crime in, in particular, you got to know who you're 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 kind of dealing with, right? And you know, to kind of trace the steps backwards, in my opinion, you know, he, he's a very intelligent person that knows the procedures, uh, law enforcement procedure and mm -hmm. method of investigation. So you have to take that into consideration, right? You know. Um, you take that into consideration when you look at, at building, I guess, his profile, I guess, is what it would be. And you have to think about, all right, this guy is going to he's thinking about this as chess, not checkers. Right. And I, and I think there's examples of that. You know, the night that he chose. It was a quiet night. Right. Why was it quiet? It was quiet because there was a task force out. You know, doing some things on underage drinking. Now, it was also quiet because there was a party the night before and a lot of people were partied out. But I strongly suspect that even if people had partied or whatever and had gone home to their areas, had there not been cops in the area, they probably would have congregated longer. But even, even the residents and the neighbors from the area said that it was a quiet night. Is it possible that Koberger was aware of that? That there was going to be a task force that night, and that's the reason why he chose that night. Because if there's cops out there working a task force to stop underage drinking, and essentially that's going to stop the, the parties, essentially because of loud noise complaints and things of that nature. You know, and it comes to find out that the first time that we're aware of that he's seen on camera is behind the police department. Right now, the time that he leaves Pullman and the time that he would have gotten to um, and that he would have gotten to the victim's residence. Right. If he would have left at 257 and taken off to 1122 King Road, uh, he would have gotten there around 310, 3, 312. Yeah. Those officers were out with those kids at the Banfield till 316. Now, that Banfield area can be seen from a pretty good distance. Right. And so my speculation is that Cobert was driving that direction, knew it was going to be a quiet night because of those things, and saw the officer still out there, drove around, ended up going behind the police department, waited till he saw the undercover officers come back in. All right, because that's a task force. That's not a, um, a typical shift, right? You know, so the Moscow shift probably has, you know, six to six, right? Yeah. And, um, 12 out and 12 off, right? And so, um, you know, the task force is specific time, and that's usually like overtime for, you know, officers that want 
a grant money and to get paid a little bit extra, they'll go do these overtime grants. And they'll go out there and conduct these underage drinking type of task force. But they don't go on for a full shift. It's usually like three, four hours. And it's targeted during a specific time. Now, Koberger being in criminal justice, being a PhD student, a TA, is it possible that he was aware uh, that this was going on? You know, there was supposedly somebody uh, that was on camera that was like an intern or a ride-along. Was that ride-along an intern from Pullman, you know, from WSU or, or does Coburger know that person and was aware that that task force was going on? Yeah, I mean, uh, he might have been if he was in the same classroom and been like, hey, I'm doing this. Because, you know, you, you probably hear him talk about it if he was in class. Right, but no, 100%. You never know. I mean, it's, it's something that they would have to, to back check themselves to see if they can tie anybody to that classroom or what he did to see what info he had. Right. But let's take this. Do they want to waste all the time and effort when his DNA is on the seat? Oh, you got to you got to you got to investigate everything, my man. You got to look for the weapon there. The sheath, that's just one small part, man. If you got the weapon, that's he can find oh, yeah. it where he dug it up or wherever that is. That's that's golden. Thank you, Kylie, for your two dollars ninety nine cent super chat. And Jay Turkey says you don't have to be smart to commit a crime like this, but you got to be smart to not get caught. Yeah, we're not referencing that somebody had to be smart to get caught or not get caught. It's referencing Brian Koberger was intelligent. He was um, a PhD student in criminology, only you know one of two students from his professor in DeSalle to be um, you know uh, recommended for the PhD program. And you don't get there without being somewhat intelligent, you know. And he had high understanding of law enforcement and um, you know their techniques and, and investigative. Uh, procedures so so <clears throat> with all that being said if he if you know he planned this out right i think he would have probably had a pre-planned hole somewhere thank you Kylie, for becoming a member as well we appreciate you uh, we had a members only live what, what we typically do with our members only lives <laughs> that sounds weird to say on our member onlys is um if it's if we end up talking about the case uh we end up releasing the replay afterwards right and the perk is for the members to be able to you know get that content in lifetime all right now yeah. if it's uh content not having to do with any cases and it's just us doing a couple of giveaways or, you know, us, you know, like the last one we did before when I was playing the guitar and we're, you know, having games with our members as far as, you know, some persons. What we do is I'd, I'd play a song and whoever guessed the song first, uh, want to win a beanie or a sticker or something. Yeah. I encourage you if you're not a member to ch check out our members, our membership and big blues only fans. <laughs> Man, I, I might need one with my van breaking down like every other week. So, <laughs> <laughs> only members don't get as confused. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So, um, uh, look at this real quick.
So I'm just, I, you know, like I said, I, I just want to know. I wonder if there's something out there. Um, and I think he may have gone back. I mean, that's what the probable cause affidavit says. So he, he was out there in that area the next day. Yeah. So what are you? What are your thoughts, Big Blue? On the on the case in general. Uh, about this this situation right here in Nevada Street. What do you what do you think he was doing? Like you, you you know what I think. I think he went to go pick up his stuff. What what do you think he was doing? I, I know there are some people that say that he's picking up, you know, another person. I don't I don't I don't specifically believe that because I think on his return back, he, he doesn't stop anywhere. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? I think uh there's there's a theory that I that I would say is if his office is off that street and he's able to access the suits and the booties and the gloves, and he had everything bagged. That's true. He, he could go pick it up. But the other thing that, because the other thing that throws me off is like, if you're going to steal from your work, want to steal the night before you're going to commit it, and the night that you're going to commit a crime, and they can catch you on camera picking up stuff. So that's the hard part that I in my theoretical head why I wouldn't do it that night. That's a good question, my man. That's a good that's a very good question. Why do it that night? Well, yeah. if it's equipment, my assumption is that um he doesn't want to have it at his house. And so, you know, why not dispose of it at another time? That's a good question. That really is. Well, that's why I'm like, hmm, what else is in that street? Is there a ATM? There is an ATM. You know, maybe he went to go get money, but why is he getting money that late at night? There's the bars close at two, the only thing is open after that, some McDonald's or something. Right? There's your ATM. Yeah. And I thought maybe this was one of the pictures that got him traveling this this direction. Now, it says that he travels back down uh, Nevada Street towards 270, which I got a question for you, Blue. Do you think that when he was returning, coming down southeast Nevada and got to Stadium Way, did he continue south? Or do you think he turned um, towards the highway? Let me mark this for you. I'd say... If you think the Pullman, I would say towards the highway, right? Because the highway goes to Pullman. I mean, it goes to. I looked it up. And you can actually get to this highway that leads you to uh, Moscow uh, through this back road here. If you travel down Nevada and then uh, head down this street here in front of. Uh, Rogers Orton Playfield. Papa Rogers Orton Playfield. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Kathy Chavin, for your $10 uh, super sticker. We appreciate you. All right. So, what about, yeah, that's. And then if you, uh, you head all the way down and then you turn off here, you come around these, uh, uh, these like fourplexes. And then you exit right here, and you can you can get out there. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know 
While I was out there, check check out what I saw. Dun dun dun. Twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen Elantra without a sunroof. <laughs> now I don't think this vehicle has anything to do with it. Don't go and bother these people, y'all. <laughs> Leave these people alone. The, the, the drunk turkey right. said that this car was part of the case. Oh, there you go. There's another another right. time situation again. So the other thing that I saw out of this book, Blue, and I wanted to get your opinion on. Well, these records also showed Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall of 2022. But in the spring, we know that he had applied as well. You know what that tells me, Big Blue? Um, he didn't get the job in, in the spring. Yeah. He's applying in the fall. He didn't get it for the spring. It's a mandatory thing, I believe, to be in that PhD program to have um, been an intern at the Pullman or one of the police departments. It didn't have to necessarily be Pullman. It could have been Moscow. Yeah. From my understanding. But, um, you know, he had applied in the spring and then he had, you know, he applied again in the fall. That tells me that if there is the capability of applying for Moscow, that he didn't get it there either. Because I don't, I'm not necessarily sure how many, you know, semesters or hours of internship that you need. But if it's only one, and if he would have gotten the Moscow one, then he wouldn't be applying for Pullman in the fall either. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Regardless of that, he was denied by these guys in the spring. Now, the essay he wrote... Oh, go ahead, Big Blue. So don't the, the schools have... Some schools, I know the GTSA has their own little police department. So I said, maybe he got on with the school. and Then he was applying again in the spring, so he didn't get on anywhere. Yeah, because it says here, this is on Tuesday, April 12, 2022. At 143, it says, Chief Jenkins, it was a great pleasure to meet with you today and share my thoughts and excitement regarding the research assistantship for public safety. I look forward to hearing from you. Best regards, Brian. Right, so. He didn't get it. I think this may have been like the start in my opinion, my, my speculation. That's why I have the disclaimer down at the bottom. <laughs> There's a disclaimer. Yeah. You have questions, you read the disclaimer. <laughs> uh, in my opinion, I think this is kind of where, you know, around this time, Koberger was doing those surveys, right? He was conducting those surveys, talking with um, offenders, finding out their emotions, why and who they chose, you know, their crimes, you know, 
their thoughts and emotions through and throughout the commission of the crime, things of that nature that was going on during this time that he was applying for and applying and getting possibly turned down yeah. for internship. I think his downfall probably was when he was starting to lose TA position. And I don't was, know, man. They said that he bought the he bought the knife in June, didn't they? Like according to what was yeah, it, like Dateline or, or something like that? Maybe he thought he was gonna go wolf hunting. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> about that, man. I think I think he knew what he was gonna do. And you know, that purchase was after April. Maybe he so, just thought he they were gonna have bigger apples in Washington, so he needed a bigger knife. To cut them i'm just saying just telling you what the defense is going to start saying you know oh well the def- then the prosecution is going to ask well where is this knife that you use for your apples <laughs> yeah because because your, your apples are about to get cut off here in court sir because <laughs> you know i don't i don't think that's going to be the case i mean you know and that's possible right because they're going to ask where's the knife what happened to it right now he's he, He's not fighting to our knowledge. And I want to get a I want to get a lawyer on the show. If any of you guys know a defense attorney, uh send us a, send them send them uh our way. We want I want to, I have some questions for an attorney. One of them I want to know, like, can certain things already start being thrown out? Like for instance, you know, the phone pings. Like I don't know those answers, and I, I I'm I'm really, really curious about that. What was that comment that you just brought up? I didn't see it. Oh, it said uh uh, the survey was really dumb. Who would risk answering? I mean, there's YouTube shows dedicated to people talking about their crimes and how they got away with it. So, QFD yeah. just just confessed to murder. Like I don't know how many times a Tupac. So. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. Yeah, you know. But these were these were uh, the survey was directed towards convicted felons who have already. Um, are probably either serving their time or have served their time. So there's no, there's no, um, yeah, there's no risk in, in anything in it. But the lawyer, no. Yeah, I I need to get in contact with the guy because there's certain questions I have for him. Like, for instance, like, and, and we're actually going to do a show on Wednesday, and the show on Wednesday is going to be called uh, The Hurdles That the Prosecution Has. And one of the hurdles, in my opinion, is the phone pings. Not necessarily about the validity of them. I think they're very accurate. It's about whether or not that the prosecution is going to be able to use that evidence in trial. You know, when you look at the uh, search warrants, and we've pulled them all up, and we'll be going through those uh, on Wednesday, and, um, and amongst other things uh, that we feel that the uh, prosecution has hurdles uh, in this case. But that's one of them. And I, I want to know, you know, I'd, I'd like to know from a lawyer is, you know, if if the defense was going to try to have that, you know, evidence excluded, right. Based on a lack of probable cause at the time, because the probable cause to get the warrant is right here. It says here, it says based on information provided on the WSU website, Koberger is currently a PhD student at the criminology in criminology at Washington state university. Pursuant to records provided by a member of the interview panel for the Pullman police department, we'll under Koberger's past education included undergraduate degrees in psychology and cloud-based forensics. Uh, these records also showed Koberger wrote an essay when he applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the fall of 2022. 
wrote in the essay is that he had interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. Koberger also posted a Reddit survey, which can be found by an open source internet search. The survey asked for participants to provide information to understand how emotions and psychological traits can influence a decision-making when committing a crime. As part of this investigation, law enforcement obtained search warrants to determine the cellular devices close to the proximity of King Road residents. Between 3 and 5 a.m. of November 13th. After determining Koberger was associated both with the white Elantra and the phone, investigators reviewed the search warrant returns, and the returns did not show the phone was using cellular towers in close proximity to the King Road residence. Based on my training and experience and conversation with law enforcement officers specialized in the field, individuals can either leave their cellular telephone at different locations when committing a crime or turn their cellular telephone off prior to going location to commit the crime. This is uh, done by subjects in effort to avoid law enforcement. So basically what they're saying here is that they believe that his phone was off because it wasn't connected to the tower. It could also be that he wasn't in the area, right? At that time, they didn't know, right? They didn't know. You know, December 23rd, you know, they had just gotten his name from the genetic genealogy, right? And just because his phone wasn't there and based on all this information, which basically tells me is that it was his education, his Reddit survey, and his acknowledgement of how to collect and analyze technological data are reasons to violate his, his rights to his location, his pins. And I think that that's going to be a big problem. I, I, I personally think that that, should, that would be a big problem. I don't think that's enough. If you go and look at the Ron Logan search warrant on his residence, they talk about why they suspect Ron Logan. He created a fake alibi. You know, he wasn't at home during this time. You know, the alibi that he created or asked for was before the discovery of the bodies, uh, which would lead you to believe that that person, um, you know, had prior knowledge of the crime. You know, all those things were in that search warrant. I look up the search warrant for. Ryan Koberger's pins and can't find anything. Anything that says any of those things. This is the only thing that says why they got his pings and or his locations. This is not even pings, this is locations. And um, I think that that's going to be a problem. But I want to know, like, we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen the defense draw up. Um, you know, motions to, you know, exclude this evidence, but maybe perhaps that comes after all this appeal stuff with the, uh, you know, the grand jury and the uh, preliminary hearing stuff. What do you think, Big Blue? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to have to wait till the court, you know, starts and we start hearing the uh, more evidence and them breaking down of what they suspected or what they found and the defense team i want to hear their side because it's got to be good if his alibi was just i drive around at night but my phone turned off during the time of the murders and then it came back up you know afterwards <laughs> and oh yeah and then i uh i purchased the same style knife months ago but all of a sudden it's missing i mean what 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 do you think his response 
is going to be when they ask him, all right, you go for drives around late at night. Why was your phone off during that specific time? Yeah. What what logical explanation would you come up with um, if you were his defense team? Like if you were looking for something that was believable. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe that he said that. Um, like if he says that his battery died, because I mean, I know he's he's fairly new to the area. He only been there for a few months. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been in the big old city I live in, but it's a small it's a small place. I still use a GPS to get in certain places because I don't know the whole place around me. So I would say, you know, he probably still uses a GPS to get back home if he took the wrong turn. So you but, think that's what's going to be? He's going to tell them, he's like, you know what, I turned my phone off because I like to drive around with my, you know, just with my phone off, no distraction, even though it's, it's you know, almost three in the morning. I don't yeah, think you're going to get some spam phone calls. I, I think an excuse is going to be like, I keep getting those three o'clock in the morning calls, you know, asking to renew my, renew my car insurance or something like that. Well, they could be, you know, if his phone is still registered to Pennsylvania, maybe perhaps he's getting those. You know, what time is it in Pennsylvania when it's three o'clock in Idaho? You know, it's, uh, it's I think it's specific standard time to Eastern time. That's that's a pretty big difference. It's like, what, a four hour difference? I'd say four hours. Right. And so um, maybe three hours. I don't know. I don't know my time zones, man. <laughs> I don't know. But either way, maybe maybe it's early enough in Pennsylvania that he is getting those spam calls. And so he doesn't want to get bothered by those spam calls. Right. Yeah. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. So he turns his phone off and he gets lost. And so he has to turn it on and get GPS to go back home. But if that's the case, if that's the case, right? Let's just say that's his excuse. I was the prosecution. I would have said then, all righty, sir. Then why didn't you do a U-turn anywhere when your phone turned back on and you used the GPS and you were only 10 minutes south? Of Moscow, turn around and go to Pullman. You know, if you found yourself, you know, if you were going to find your way back home, if you had no idea where you're at, I don't think GPS is going to tell you to go in this long ass route. You get what I'm saying? Give you the shortest routes, even when it recalculates. It is going to say he was owl watching late at night too you know looking out for owls uh, thank you b david for your one dollar super chat we appreciate you i mean i get it but like i'm saying like all right so his phone dies turns back on like it took it took two hours to charge all right yeah took a while It's crazy. I just, I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't see a logical explanation there that he can come up with as to why it's off during that specific time. I don't know. I don't get it either. Um, the only other thing that, that I would say is he, he probably did Silence it because of the messengers and all the, but I don't know. 
And uh, but the thing is, they can go back since he's been. Uh, if he says that's his excuse, they're gonna say, okay, well, how many times a month do you do this, or how many times? You remember the last time he did it to see if it's a pattern. What if he can? He can't bring any patterns up. Oh, I left my phone at home every single time I did the other drives. What if? What if? What if the defense says the pattern is the twelve times that he's yeah. in the area? I mean, it's not, it's not, they're not at night though. They're not all at night, are they? No, well, some of them are. But but the thing is, the probable cause affidavit says that he was parked or not parked, but that he was in the area of the residence. Unless unless Koberger is going to come out and say that that is his white car. You know, there's a difference right now. He's saying he's out driving around. He's not saying that that is his white car in front of the King Road residence. In fact, he's saying that he was not at the King Road residence. That is not his white car. All right? Yeah. So. I don't know. 2.7 times in five months. So times in interesting. Point that's the average per month. Well, that's if he started going, you know, the, the first month that he was there. Now, I know that they stopped him and put him over in August, so August, September, October, November. So that's about a four month period. Let's just say that that's around the time he started driving there, right? And so, you know, 12 times that's three times a month. Does that sound like enough that you would, uh, you know, think that somebody is a, um, You know what I'm saying? Do you think that's that's enough to consider stalking? I would say, yeah. Three times a month? I don't know what else. I mean, still more than once if he knew where they live. But he could just go to that area to go eat at different restaurants or something. Maybe he was going to study with a classmate, but I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I I don't know, man. I thought that was... um, I I thought it was... um, You you also have what Ian Hart said, you know, Truth and Transparency, stating that he'd seen a white Elantra back there on a number of occasions. Uh, It was, you know, he he thought it was because, you know, his ex-girlfriend drove a white Elantra, and so that's why he knew what it was. If it was enough times that he saw it, maybe he went more often and just didn't have his phone on every time. Maybe maybe he does put his phone on airplane mode. Yeah. <laughs> no, maybe the other thing is maybe he um, he had a smartwatch you know, and he would receive his messages on there. I don't know how far you have, you have to be to your phone to get your messages on your smartwatch. We're still can track you some, but doesn't track you all the time. I don't. Do you still get messages if you leave your phone at home and go to the grocery store? I don't know how far those watches work. But I know you use one for running. Yeah. Angel D says, did Enon say that at the start, though? I believe he did. There was one of the uh, law and crime interviews he did he's mentioned a wide launcher but i don't know if that was before or after um Goldberg's arrest or before or after i'm sorry it was before Goldberg's arrest but if it was before or after police came out asking for a white elantra 
I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, just hope nothing crazy happens <laughs> while you're out there driving. <laughs> I mean, there's more to it than just him, you know, his phone and and that being the situation. It's it's that it's it's the car without the front license plate. It's um, the DNA on the sheath. You know, each one of those can individually you can kind of come up with an excuse for, right? But it's the whole picture that looks so ridiculous when you put them all together. Right. And you try to say, oh, yeah, you know, he, he sold the knife or the knife got stolen by the guy who just so happened to commit this crime, who just so happens to drive the same vehicle, just so happens to not have a front license plate, just so happened to know that Koberger was going to be out and about, just so happened to know that Koberger was going to not have his, um, you know, phone on during that specific time, just so that they could frame him. You know, there's a lot of just so happens. You know what I'm saying? And then the the, the knife sheath just so happened he got his DNA on it. Right. You know, so to me, it's a little far-fetched. It's a little far-fetched. You know, I think the police got their guy. You know, like I said, though, there's a difference between, you know, thinking a person did it and thinking that, you know, beyond reasonable doubt. Do I, do I see that there's any reasonable doubt here? Not necessarily, but I do see a hurdles that the uh, prosecution is going to have to jump over. And one being, like we mentioned, that warrant for the cell phone pings. I think that's going to be a uh, a big issue. And um, BDA says, I see a ton of cars in Texas without a front license plate. I agree. I agree. But, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's not just the front license plate thing. You know, it'd be one thing if... if you know, it'd be one thing if they found Koberger's car without a front license plate. They go talk to him, and you know his phone wasn't off during the time of the crime, and he has an alibi, or he wasn't. You know his DNA wasn't underneath the or in the button sheath of the knife of the knife sheath, right? Or you know all those things combined. Plus, he was also just you know we would have to believe. That his DNA got under, you know, in the knife sheath of another person's knife who happens to drive the same style vehicle without a front license plate, happened to commit this crime while Koberger was out late at night driving. That's a lot of coincidences. It's a lot of coincidences for me. Yeah. You know, and for me, the more you have to build the story for it to be real, the less likely it is. Totally. He was. Out watching, driving at night. Okay, that's gonna be his job. And then like the staircase. <laughs> <laughs> the staircase. Uh, but yeah. I'm on to you, my man. I know what you're saying. There's always something somebody's gonna say that they weren't there. But you know, I think they have quite a bit of evidence against him. Um, but he is innocent to proven guilty. I mean, I just saw a murder case where. Uh, this guy just won a settlement. I don't know what state it was, but he was put away for a murder. And it wasn't him. And uh, he just won a million dollars from the state for being falsely accused. Yeah. I mean, those things happen. But, I mean, how like, how, how often do those happen? Not too often. Not right. too often. Like, you know, and, and, a thousand people get convicted a day and 
I don't hear that case happening every day. I hear it happening. It's a, I think it's happened a few times. No, no system is perfect. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen and there isn't corruptness or any of those things. In fact, it was, uh, I got, because I'm on true crime, I, um, I guess I watch a lot of true crime on my YouTube. I saw this, um, I think it was like a 48 hours of Dateline special on my YouTube. I was recommended. It was called the uh, Hannibal Cop. Have you heard that story? No. This is dude who got convicted. He, uh, he was a New York police officer. And long story short, um, he had this fetish. And his fetish was uh, bondage and cannibalism. And he uh, started going on the dark web. Oh, thank you, Canadian True Crime. I'm going to check out that email real quick before we get off. Uh, I know I'd seen that earlier. Let's see. Uh, all right. Good evening, Dan. Have you ever got a good look at the front door? The wreath holder on the door. Apparently, there are closed hook door holders that have security cameras and stuff. I see. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, it could be, but I don't know. I mean, that looks kind of big right there. That one doesn't. Uh, maybe they have different types or models. It could be. <clears throat> good catch, though. That is a good catch. Yeah, I mean, they put cameras in everything nowadays. Yeah. Well, no, they do. On the side of the road and pee next to Tesla because they get a camera view of peeing on the Tesla. And yeah, but but for, for front doors, typically, you don't want them like... It's it's a deterrent to have them, like a camera. right? That's why, that's why people put up those like ADT signs and all this other stuff because, uh, you know, criminals will see that and say, oh, you know, that place is alarmed. You know, if they see this big ass camera on the front door, they're like, oh, man, we don't. That's not the right house to hit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not necessarily sure if a, um, a hidden camera would be used for the front door. It kind of defeats uh, somewhat of the purpose of the uh, of the camera itself. Um, being used not just for unless unless some weird, creepy person put it up there. Wasn't there somebody known? For wiring, breaking into a house and wiring the security cameras uh, of a house that they broke into. Um, and it's been speculated that one of those IDs might have been one of those persons, Brian Coburger. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I manager mean, was, unless they were suspicious of something, maybe perhaps if they were suspicious of something and they wanted to catch somebody in the act of doing something, they and may have put that there. Porch pirates and porch pirates always hit people during the holidays. <laughs> maybe somebody stole a lady's wreath before. Yeah, well, you don't want them to steal it again. I mean, granted, you're going to want to catch them, yes, but you know, wouldn't you prefer to just put a big old deterrent there by a big ass camera and then not have somebody steal your crap? 
you know the funny part is like my i've had my car broken into like three times here in san antonio <clears throat> mm -hmm. but like uh, right now i'm driving an older piece of junk van and it looks like a piece of junk so last time like i literally had all my fishing rods my bags i had probably like over down dollars worth of fishing stuff in my van and they broke into the doctor's truck next to me who had nothing in his van and his car i was, oh. like, I was like dang this sucks because i mean you had a brand new f-250 that's why they hit you but they would hit my car they would have hit the mud loads i had power tools and all my stuff in my van dude did the same thing happen to my father-in-law but they uh they they hit his truck they ended up taking his gun though yeah, that's why they hit. That's why they hit the F two fifties, because yeah. a lot of people who drive F two fifties, King Ranch, and all those. They'll hit them because they like to hide their gun under the seats. Yeah, and they know that. Yeah, they end up they end up hitting his gun and they end up hitting some some stuff. But he had like crap ton of expensive expensive ass tools. They took a bag and it didn't seem like according to my my father in law. I don't think they were aware of where the gun was at. And they took the, basically the, the bag that it was in. Yeah. And so maybe they opened it. Maybe they did see it. I don't know. But yeah, man. Thieves, dude. Can't stand them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was one time I had, I had a Tundra. And I had put padlocks on it because I had broke, they had broken into my toolbox one time. And I was like, all right, this is going to deter them. A padlock on one side and then the regular key lock on the other side they won't be able to open it up yeah those those guys probably opened like a tuna can the next time they got to it man i had to get a new damn toolbox hmm. there was nothing in it the second time though that was what made me more mad i had spent like four hundred dollars trying to get a new damn toolbox because there was nothing in it AT took his TV and was supposed to have given Don Daniels paperwork, and she never got it. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, well, I think that's going to be it for us tonight. We're going to be on tomorrow night with uh, Melissa Jade and Shay from the Melissa Jade's uh, YouTube channel. We're going to be talking Brian Koberger. And then, uh, unless something else comes out, you know, let me go check the. Uh, let me go check the Idaho website. Well, it usually comes out on Sundays, but you never know. Yeah, you drop stuff every once in a while. Nah, no. Unless something comes out from here to Wednesday, the next two shows will be on Monday, which will be us and Melissa Jade and Shay, and then we're gonna be on Wednesday talking about the hurdles of the prosecution. You don't want to miss it. Hit that like and subscribe button and ring that notification bell. Um, if you're not um, <clears throat> already a member, uh, please uh, consider doing so. Um, and we also have a commercial. Do you have any last words, Big Blue? No, I just want to say, everybody, thank you for, for y'all's condolences. Y'all take care out there. Be careful with that heat. Um, and take care yeah 100% y'all you know, take care be careful out there and if you guys have any tips or 
or have any um, ideas, thoughts, or theories, send them our way on our email. I'll leave you guys. Don't forget we have a we have a raffle going on. I'll leave you with the uh, the details of that raffle. Peace out, y'all. This is our little Frenchie. This Nelson. is our little Frenchie. Nelson, Nelson was the runt of his uh, litter, and unfortunately, he is diagnosed with IVDD, which resulted in him losing the ability to move his rear legs. Now we were left with a couple of options: one being put Nelson down, or two go through a costly uh, surgery, which wasn't guaranteed to work. We gave Nelson that chance, and we went through the surgery. And fortunately, today he can walk, and you know, he's not 100%, but he's getting there. Rehab and continual rehab. We think we may. Those bills are extensive and continuous. In efforts to lower that financial strain, we've decided to do a raffle. This raffle is going to be of a four by three handmade quilt. This quilt was actually made by my mother-in-law, and so high quality. I uh, think you'll love it. It's a rescue themed quilt. So how do you enter? There is a five dollar entry to get into the raffle. All entries will be through Cash App dollar sign drunk turkey show to enter in the description make sure you put your shipping address and your name if you want to put in multiple you can do so you can send in for instance 25 and also put in the description five entries the raffle will be on august 28th the winner will be chosen at random by a uh, wheel selector don't need to be present on the live good luck and thank you